What is going on, people? It's the Fly Life Podcast, and I'm your host, Martin Novak. This week, Ryder's back in the studio to keep it casual through the holidays, so happy holidays to everybody. And for this episode, we just get caught up on our lives, talk about my recent ski edit that I filmed uh, back in April. Um, I've been flying Kiss recently, got a Yeti build on the way, Ryder built out a sim racing rig, and uh, he just ordered some FedTech stuff, so we get caught up on all that, graze over some FAA um, regulations coming up, and talk about why I finally canceled my Flight 1 order. And before we get into it, let's thank the sponsors. As always, we have Emacs, which can be found at emacs-usa.com. And you can use code FLYLIFE at checkout for 10% off. I love Emacs. I've now been rocking their 2208-2600 kV motors and the RS-2207-2500. And that's all on on my new fresh KISS rigs, and I've been loving them, man. They're such good motors, still using the nano antennas, and still flying my Tiny Hawk Freestyle, but there's some upcoming stuff coming from Emacs um, in the new year that I'm super excited to talk about and share on the show, so stay tuned for that. And don't forget to use the discount code FLYLIFE at checkout um, at emacs-usa.com. And got to give it out to Real Steady Go. You can save five bucks off Real Steady Go with code FLYLIFE. And why not smooth out your footage? It looks so good. And if you need a sample of why it looks so good, um, check out my recent bridge edit from the middle of Oklahoma. I think it's epic. All right, without further ado, let's get into Greg Ryder on this week's episode of the Fly Life Podcast. Tower's clear. Dude, uh, real, real talk, did you watch the new Top Gun trailer? Yeah, not, yeah. Not, nothing new. Like the one that came out like two days ago? negative let's talk about that after we do the one maybe we start the podcast that way all right i'll start right now have you seen the new top country no i haven't bro you gotta check it out they do some behind the scenes shit and uh, it's like a six minute trailer but uh, i guess they did all the stunts with real planes there's no cgi flying in the whole thing oh wow yeah i bet those pilots had a fun job for that one dude i that like best time to be an actor ever be like, yeah, I'll sign up for the movie where I get to spend three quarters of my time in an F 18 super Hornet. Yep. Stuntman. Sure. Yeah. Five G's. I could do it. How many millions am I getting? Okay. Yeah, dude, that's going to be an awesome movie. Dude. So pumped. Um, but that's the only thing I had on the movie front. I, th- I just can't wait for that movie, but otherwise what's new, man, it's been a minute since we've done one of these. Yeah. Um, well, Congrats on that footage, man. I don't know what's going on with me, but I, I wanted to check out more about that footage you got in uh, in Aspen. That footage I got, I've been sitting on that for like since April of last, or yeah, since April of this year, 2019. Yeah. And it was it, on uh, NBC or something like that? I saw it. What it was on ABC like a couple Sundays ago, and then it's still on the X Games website and like the Columbia YouTube channel. Because it was the footage I got was for this film called The Scenic Route, which was like a 30 minute movie mm-hmm. about Alex Ferreira, this pro skier. Yep. And uh, it, most of the movie was about him going to Japan on this travel journey and skiing in Japan. But um, at the end, it was like talking about being back home. And then that's where all my, and he's from Aspen. So that's why, you know, it all linked up together there. But like probably one of the coolest days of my life, man. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome to be on broadcast TV and they were eating ramen in the beginning. It was like this whole kind of narrative that finally led up to those six shots on the... Yeah, making samurai swords and whatnot. Yeah, and speaking of those shots, were those um, 
were those stabilized or did you, how did you, uh, you know, deliver the footage for that? Dude, those were straight just out of the GoPro. That shoot was like eight days before real study go came out oh, and man. like, and real study go came out like a light switch. Like it wasn't like 10 days from now, this product's coming out and it's going to work better with the hero six. So I shot all of that on a hero seven hard mounted. And then I, uh, and then, so I couldn't, um, stabilize it in real study go. And I had like 20 packs worth of footage and like real steady wasn't really an option. That would have been like, I think I would have finished rendering the footage right around now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but luckily I shot at 120 frames a second. So slowed down a quarter speed. It was super buttery. And um, yeah, and it was just like my five inch low flow. So it was pretty as well tuned of a rig as I had at the time. Yeah, you could see like the pieces of snow coming off his skis and hitting the lens. And like, I was like, damn, bro, that's sick. Yeah, which I was like that day I, I had to I had to switch quads because one quad I dunked in the snow. And it was because at the beginning I was standing at the top of the hill. So I would do my runs and then I'd have to commute back up to myself. And I ran out of battery like maybe 50 feet short of myself, just like browned out and put it down in the snow. And it wasn't like a crash or anything, but the snow, since it was in April, it was just such like slush. And the quad just like sank into it and got super wet and I wasn't even going to risk it. I just grabbed the next one and kept going. Yeah. It's always good to have a backup, huh? Yeah, I brought three that day. (laughs) Nice. Is that like, would you say that's your favorite type of shooting now out on the slopes like that? And yeah, I I think that's my favorite because there's so much space. Like shooting the mountain bikers and stuff like that is epic, but you're like weaving through trees trying to keep it all tight between the plants. Yep. Whereas a skier in that situation, like the people at Aspen never like had never dealt with an FPV drone before, so they were like, "Yeah, just please don't hit the chairlift." And I was like, "No, you guys like that's totally. I'm not going to hit the chairlift. That's like way over there. Even though it's like, you know, not that far away, but in terms of what we're used to flying in FPV, like something 100 feet away is like, yeah, I can no problem stay away from that." Yeah. Not too yeah. bad. You're like uh you're like the secret weapon for Vital Films. I mean, their production was top-notch, but then yeah. having having the perspective from you flying and stuff just kind of rounded it all out. Yeah, those dudes are proper, and they do a bunch of stuff for like Nat Geo and like all t- like they did a Lance Armstrong movie and types of filming. Um, but one of my favorite shots that didn't get featured in there that I put on my Instagram is one of the dudes filming that was doing chase on skis got a shot of my quad behind the skier. Yeah, I saw that, and it's like six inches off the ground, just going off the lip. You know. Yep. So cool to see it from that perspective. Definitely. You never really get to see it from that perspective, huh? Because we're always just kind of flying that first person life. Yeah, totally. Just strapped into the front. (laughs) Yeah. You were close off the ground too. I saw that. You came like right up the lip, like just a few inches off the ground right behind him. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Um, But yeah, I hope to do that again soon because it's too much fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're coming out to Cali in a bit. Yeah, coming out to Cali, like, not even two weeks, I don't think, anymore. Yeah, it's going to be fun, too. We got some uh, new spots to hit. A little yeah, bit. new spots to hit. Like, I got nine days of chilling and flying drones. I'm so pumped. That's a good way to end the year. Yeah, and start the new one, right? Yeah. Start it with a backlog of footage to edit. Totally. And I'm so pumped to get out of Kansas. Um, like, not that I dislike it here, but it's just like ghost branch season. 
it's cold and pretty wet and I'm ready yeah. to just go get some sunshine. You travel a fair amount though. I mean, you get out. Yeah. I, especially in the fall, but like this last month, like through like Thanksgiving and Christmas, I had like five weeks off before it picks up again. And now I feel like I have cabin fever, especially coming off of that, like two months on the road, one week home stretch from like September, October area. Mm -hmm. And then being home for like a month straight is like, now I'm starting to lose my mind a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always good to find a new spot to fly and you know, when you come out here, I'm like, oh, I can't, can't take Martin to the same fucking spot. So let's try something new. Oh, uh, you know, I'm down for the same spots though. Yeah. <laughs> let's hit a Golden Gate Bridge or two. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. I heard, I heard of people doing that. Yeah. I, f I found the SD card somewhere. Some, some one of my friends, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Not my footage. Yeah. No, but I also won't take a polygraph, but I definitely found that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you seen any sketchy footage on Instagram these days, or is it uh, you think people are kind of getting getting a little smarter with it now that the FAA has been emailing and calling people? I think I think people are getting a little smarter, and like I feel a little removed. Like I've made a serious effort to only follow people on social media that like mm -hmm. get me inspired or stoked to do something, which yeah, for the most part isn't a lot of FPV things. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> 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 it's like a lot of cinematographers and action sports stuff, but like all the people I follow that fly or like the stuff I see in feeds, I don't think I've seen anything like real crazy, you know? Yeah. Not like circa 2017 shit. Yeah. I wonder what's going to happen with the, you know, I, I don't know if Canada's rules are going to flow out to the other regions, but you know, if they, if they limit hobbyists the way they did out in Canada, I don't know what, I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, there's that big keynote thing happening like January 4th through the 10th or whatever. Yeah. You can tune in. The FAA is doing like a keynote speech on the regulations and stuff changing. You I have to post a, post a link in that there description, Ming. Yeah, definitely. And like I saw, I got the email from them saying that they're going to do it. I haven't like read up on anything. And I don't know how much the laws are going to change or anything like that, especially for hobbyists. But I think it's going to be the same thing that like, how much are they going to change and how much are people going to listen to it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. If it, if it gets down to like where you got to fly a DJI, um, what's the new one called? The mini Mavic mini. I think so. It's like below the weight limit. It's got all the no fly zones. Like <laughs> you're limited the... to that, bro. I think I'm going to have to find a new hobby. Yeah, maybe that's the keynote that the new law is 248 grams. <laughs> <laughs> just screw everyone over. Yeah, just pull pull one on DJI like they did on the FAA. Yeah, I'll just remove some motor screws or something. Yeah, totally. Or just bring like a rigged scale with you and be like, no, look, let me weigh this for you. <laughs> Tear it at like negative 50 grams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then in this like five-week hiatus, I... Uh, Made the big switch to Kiss, man. That yeah, flag queen of goodness. Yeah, I saw that, man. How? What do you think about it, dude? It's so good, man. It's so smooth and um, like just so easy to deal with. Getting parts isn't too bad. That's a big selling point. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not an indefinite two weeks for the new ESC. Yeah, exactly. Um, but like the way I would describe it is my flight one setup was 
unrealistically like smooth and locked if i flew the quad a certain way like use the throttle with like kind of some like uh like deliberately just using the throttle you know like not second guessing like forcefully flying it then it was Mm -hmm. super locked in but if i was like being very lackadaisical or over flying the rig then it would get some like vibes and some bounce back and stuff whereas the kiss rig is that locked setup but through the whole power band no matter how you fly it it's always buttery nice yeah and super easy to set up like it was so nice yeah did you did you find that there was like a learning curve on the pids and filtering or was it pretty straightforward filtering i didn't touch the only thing i messed with a little bit was the d um set point and i ended up leaving that at 100 the pids was super easy like pids like usual um and you can change them down to the hundredth which is sick so you can just make like teeny teeny tiny little changes um and then the hardest thing for me was getting my rates dialed Mm-hmm. And I used that like online rate calculator as a baseline. Um, and then I just went from there. Cool. Yeah. You'll have to send me your baseline tune. Cause, um, I think I told you I ordered that, uh, FET tech setup. Yep. About to start printing that adapter. Yeah. And then <laughs> realize that it's a 20 by 20 ESC. Yeah. That's a bummer. Yeah. But I think, you know, whatever, it's an adapter, but I think the, the benefits of the system, well, we'll see. We'll see, right? Like, I'm excited about the the um, PWM 128, right? Higher fidelity PWM. And then the curve on it is they're making a big deal out of it being a sine curve. So to me, that just means, you know, the fidelity of up, updating the motor, um, the motor speed, right, from the flight controller is just going to be that much more granular. And then on top of that, it's smoothing it with a sine curve. So everything that I felt by upping my, all my ESCs to 48K, like that smoothness and the quietness in the motors, it just felt like it was running with less resistance kind of. Yeah, it just like sounds I'm, happier. Yeah, so this is going to be like, what, three times that fidelity? So now granted, it's running at a lower sample speed, but I still think that there could be some magic in there. Yeah, dude, 128, dude, that's ridiculous, man. Like I remember when I switched to 48 and I was like, this feels nice, but 128, that's insane. Yeah, it's like going from MP3 to like high def audio files. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, dude. They make Blu-ray in this. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They also um, they were talking about some something called One Wire too, where like you can just connect your ESC to your flight controller with well, it's actually two wires, but I think in one. So it handles like all eight pinouts and then a ground. So it's like it's basically signal and ground, two wires. So sick. Yeah. I mean, I enjoy soldering, but I don't enjoy soldering that much. Yeah, not if I need to have, not if I have like five, six quads, you know, mm-hmm. too much, too much. Mm-hmm. That was like a big selling point of the Flight One stack is just plugging mm-hmm. everything in, motor wire, soldering, and that's pr- basically it. Yeah, it's a nice setup. I like the pinouts. It, it was Cuts a nice down. setup. <laughs> it was a nice setup. Um. What else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. And did you see, I don't know if you saw, speaking of people in social media, uh, Vic FPV posted the KISS keychain. No. It's like a little keychain size thingy that's basically like a LaForge size screen with a dongle. And you can plug it into your KISS rig in the field and it allows you to access the whole GUI remotely without having to bring a laptop. 
That's cool. Yeah, it's like a little LaForge size screen. You plug it in and you can scroll through all the settings. I, you know, I'm tempted to say like they already have that in the goggles, right? With like brain and stuff. You're saying it's different? It's different. There's things that you can't change that you you can change with the keychain that you can't using Lua or smart audio stuff. Got it. Or like so OSD. It's like a native, like a true native connection with all features and variables you can control and shit like that. Yeah, you know, I feel about idle speed. Mm, yes, I do. So I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, in closing, Steel was right all along. Steel was right all along. <laughs> God damn. You know, I just wish I could have gotten those BL Heli ESCs. What were they? The just the replacements of the Flight One ones. The Bolt Thirty Twos. Yeah, the Bolt Thirty Twos, bro. I just needed, you know, replacements of those back in my life. But then I got on this order. Yeah, and I held out longer than you. Like I just canceled my order last week, um, five months to the day that I ordered them. <laughs> yeah, the Fire Festival ESC. Yeah, I get Billy McFarland over here <laughs> running an FPV company. <laughs> ah, man. Well, I wish it had worked out, but on to on to new things, right? Yeah, on to the gym and engineering. Yeah, speaking see Hans. Yeah, uh, dude. Yeah, and you got you got that that tune. I I saw the video, man. That thing is flying super clean. Like, just uh, you know, send that my way, and we'll throw it on the the hook and see how she does. I bet it'll be close because, like, my flight one tune was pretty close on the hook. Yeah, it was. It was real close. A little altitude difference, but yeah. Yeah, did you see that the the Pirate Pirate frames, whatever it is, came out of the new frame? Yeah. Yeah, it's been in production a while. I think that's the one that Jay True flies. He flies the long body version. Okay. And then ben, Benoit flies that short body one, the hook. But yeah, it's got like multiple battery straps. I think it's meant for maybe six inch, a little longer range. Pretty sick. Yeah. Super sick. Oh, and I finally am going to build my Rebel Yeti. <clears throat> oh, tell me about the Rebel Yeti, dude. Uh, I mean, I'm sure people have seen it, but it's a long range setup. I went with the eight versus the 10 inch version just because I heard it's a little easier to like deal with problems. 10 inch is a fickle bitch to tune. I don't think that's a secret. And, uh, and the prop choices for 10 inch are super limited. Yeah, I can see that, dude. I would think the, are the arms longer on the 10 inch? I'm assuming. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. You probably get like some sort of trampoline effect eventually. You know, yeah. towards the center. And just like thinking about traveling with it and stuff like that, you know? Oh, yeah, dude. Might as well just get a Matrice. Yeah, a 10 inch, seriously, 10 inches. I, I wonder if I could lift the payload that I'd do the surveys with. With I bet you I could. Uh-huh. Totally. Yeah, it just goes 6S, uh, 3,000 KV. Yeah, right. <laughs> just, just glowing red. Yeah, it'd be like an F1 car with the with the brake. Uh, yeah, like rotors glowing red. That thing's just <laughs> yeah. Just you guys smell that? Nah, nah. <laughs> Don't touch your tongue to those motor bells, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, and then I did 880 kV motors. Okay, that's uh, man business, bro. Yeah, 880. We're we're below the thousand mark. That's like that's that heavy lift, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then I went with the Hobbywing 60 amp ESC, which I think is going to be okay. I'm going to cap, like put caps on it and everything. That's about the limit of what that thing can take. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm gonna be flying this thing too full throttle very much, you know. Yeah, dude, just get gangster with it. Put a you know, pop a cap in it. You'd be all yeah. Good. I put a cap in it, and then worse comes to worse. If I think it's gonna get weird, I could just cut the throttle off. So, like for me, full is actually only eighty percent. You know. Mm-hmm. Just limit yeah. it. Um, Speed limit it, like the yeah. Corvettes. And I'm gonna do the brain. That's so dumb. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna do the brain radix. Um, what you would call it, TBS, uh, nano diversity, run cam, the micro swift, uh, and then uh, unify HV. <clears throat> Why such a small camera in such a big drone? That's a Bryce question. He definitely, I, I'm pretty sure it's like got one of those camera pl- um, holders that's like designed for a certain size camera. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, so Skyberries, hit up Craig. <laughs> well, I'll see him. I'll see him at the end of this month. Oh, yeah, you're going to Utah. Yeah, that'll be fun. Hopefully you come out, man. We should rip the mountains. and I'll probably come out for that. I'm not used to flying in the cold, dude. That was like when I went out um, a couple weeks ago, I went out and flew with uh, Albert. Yeah. Albie, Albie Soaring. Albie Soaring. Shout out to Albie Soaring. Yep, we went out to the uh, uh, Forest Hill Bridge, the one that uh, they – they drove the car off of in triple X. Yeah. I heard about it. I might've heard about it. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, sketch spot. Is that where he gives a speech about Dick being a dick? Uh, maybe it's been a while since I saw triple X dude. Whatever. You know, you watch that like twice a year. Right. (laughs) Big Vin Diesel fan over here. huge fan oh man but uh yeah it's a sketchy bridge in fact he was telling me some stories about like real airplane pilots that dive that bridge and fly under it so baller yeah uh, allegedly he may have been in one of those planes bro you know like if i yeah if i had a plane that could fly like that in a pods license especially if i flew fpv first and saw the world in that way you know like see like looking at the world as a shreddable spot all the time mm-hmm that if I got a pot license in a plane, it would not be good. Dude, they should just limit. Like if, you, if you've been flying freestyle drones for a few years, like you just can't get your, your sport class license. Dude, yeah. Plane. <laughs> you're just a, a liability. Freestyle for liability. three or long range for five. After that, you're just. <laughs> yeah, check out that Lumshavak. You see that Matty flip I did over the, the Golden Gate? What the- yeah. Smoke on. <laughs> <laughs> just full of Red Bull air race mode. Just. Oh, dude, yeah. what did I just watch? That new Ryan Reynolds movie, they fly a Red Bull plane and the dude skims the water with his tires like no skids or anything. Oh, okay. I'm like, dude, that's such a ballsy move. Yeah. Dude, I think I, I referenced that uh, Lumshavak. You ever heard of that? Isn't yeah. that a Czechoslovakian term? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that a flat spin? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I don't like know. My aerobatic. Um, <laughs> Come on, man. I thought you were a stunt pilot. Only thing I know is like an Endelman, and that's it. Okay. Yeah, I think it's the, like the equivalent of a Yaspin in a plane, but maybe with a little more roll in it. I don't know. It's something like that, but. That baller. Lumshavak. 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 <laughs> Gotta incorporate that into flying drones, dude. Yeah, just start naming <clears throat> all the tricks, check words. Yeah, but that's a sick spot, man. When you come out to Cali, we might have to go out there to that bridge um, that the American River flows underneath it. And then there's 
a bunch of cliffs and stuff to fly out there. So, so yeah, I definitely want to hit that and uh, maybe reenact the triple X scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have them <laughs> launch the Cobra off. Yeah. That, that would get some YouTube video or YouTube. Video. Yeah, you could go viral with the dri- driving an AC Cobra off a bridge, jumping out of it and having your friend film it with a drone. <laughs> Bucket list car gets driven off a bridge. Hey, Dad, can I borrow that Cobra for a bit? Uh, no reason. <laughs> think it floats? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, dude, what else is new? Um, you doing any, any paid work lately? You doing any magnetometer surveys? Uh, not like this, like I was saying, this month has just been me chilling at home, watching movies and playing video games like a madman. But then in January, it all just kicks off again. I go to Colorado twice and Mexico once, then this Cali trip, which is not paid, but just like four trips in a month, three of them are for paid work. Mm-hmm. You're going to be doing some filming in Aspen again, and then collecting that mag data, bro. Mm, data. That good data. That good data. Nice. Yeah. And um, you're posting a lot of freestyle edits lately. Looks like you're gonna be doing more of that. What do you think of the um, What do you think of the Instagram likes thing? It seems like they've been <laughs> testing that in and out because some days I see there's no likes, some days there's likes. You know. Um, I haven't noticed it at all. Like I haven't been paying much attention to it. I've just noticed that it's been like the likes have been there. The likes haven't been there on some things on like certain people's profiles, but like I haven't noticed like a difference in like my analytics or like my likes or anything, like how many people are coming yeah. across my page and whatnot. Um, and I never, like I never really looked at other people's videos and were like, Oh damn. Like sometimes I'd be curious, like checking out someone like a, you know, like a Joe Rogan or a celebrity where I'm like, damn, 22,000 in the first yeah. hour, you know? Right. But like in FPV, I don't think I never really noticed it. Yeah. You know, it's all the algorithms, right? So it's like once once people start seeing that a post is getting liked pretty frequently, then it just becomes at the front of everyone's feed and they see how many likes it already has. And they're like, oh, that's cool. Let me like that too. So it's like bandwagoning a bit, you know? Yeah. Whereas I think the whole goal of it for Instagram is to get away from that and like to get away from people who may be buying views to have some sort of stature to sell sponsorship, kind of like making it a little more authentic and not having it revolve so much around the views, you know, which I think is super good. Yeah, Um, that's super awesome. I think it'll allow people to see maybe not as popular content that's still really good content and have people like it based on merit rather than the fact that it's just due to algorithms and paid likes that's just showing up everywhere, you know? Yeah. Which I think is dope. Cause like more often than not, I'll come across like a video or someone's page where I'm just like, damn, that's a sick video. Like maybe not even FPV, like someone just made a travel edit or something. Yeah. I'm just like, wow, that is such a sick edit, but it's like that, you know, they have like 2000 followers. Like that's not what the algorithms would consider a sick edit. Maybe. Yeah. Speaking of sick edits, you got uh, you got any pilots that have caught your eye on uh, online? Anyone that you've been following a little bit? You like their style? I mean, the new. I mean, it's pretty obvious. The new Air Blaster ski edit is unreal. I really enjoy yeah. watching that. Um, can't wait to film skiers because of that edit. I'm like, God damn! I wish this was tomorrow. Yeah, right. Um, let's talk about that a little bit because I noticed a lot of things in that edit. Um, 
like a couple things were like the sound, the titling, um, also the camera angles. Sometimes he had the camera set up in a certain flight of motion where it was kind of hard to tell if he was flying forward or flying backwards or what the actual motion or attitude of the quad was in that shot, you know, which was kind of like got me thinking a lot, you know? Yeah. The first thing I noticed was the sound. I mm. loved the, the sound design on that video. It was so good. And it just made me like think about so many, like, oh, how many did they record? You know, how many did they do without the prop noise that they got this one from? Um, the titling was super sick. I noticed uh, like Nick Lang was doing that on some of his like paid promo videos, which I thought was super cool. Mm-hmm. Like in a car dealership, he had the titles like on the cars or in the sky stationary and you fly by it. Um, but I think like two things, I think that was really cool about the edit. And then I also liked the fact that it was seven minutes, mm-hmm. you know, like it was like a regular edit, not just like an FPV edit. That's like basically max the length of a pack. Yeah, ba- I was just going to say battery length edits, dude. Yeah, um, which I thought it was cool. And then just like the, and I'm so bad at this, but like having footage from like different shoots, locations, and like tying it all together. Like for me, it's always usually like this spot is an edit, that spot is an edit, but like combining them to take the best of the mm-hmm. best and like having that discipline, I think added a lot to that video. For sure. You can imagine, though, when he was out there, he just came home with probably like, you know, 100 gigs of footage. Yeah, I, I especially on trips like that, like that ski edit I posted, that one minute clip I flew, I did 36 runs with that skier that day down those two jumps. Yep. And there's maybe, I don't know, like 13 of them were in that like a couple seconds basically of 13 of them were in that edit. Yeah. There's so much nothingness. It's just, you know, there's so many variables in that situation, right? You got lighting, you got, you know, how your, how your quad was flying. And you got got the skill too. Like that's the hardest thing is like the skiers got to nail it and you got to nail it at the same time. That's what I was just going to say, dude. And then you got the outside variable of your subject, right? Yeah. And their performance. It's kind of the same when I was doing recording a lot. Like you feel like you would master the, the input selection, right. Or you'd master the pre-mix, right. For a drummer. And, and like you do all your work on your like technical creative side and then who you're trying to record. And then they have the worst performance ever. They can't get in the zone or, you know what I mean? So you Mm -hmm. got outside, outside variables. So I, I mean, you know, I haven't done any professional shoots with the drone, but I can see that being extremely complicated. Like, with where the B-roll was at on that shot or how it's going to mix with the the last segment, right? Or it, are we going to be able to color grade that to look like our other Sony camera that's, you know, stationary or whatever? Like, there's just so many variables, dude. And for you to get that one shot where the skier was performing, you know, it matches with the edit, like all that, it's awesome. Yeah, it, it really, and that was like my first real paid gig and that was like all those things that you just mentioned like hit me in the first 15 minutes and i was like oh right okay yep this is what we're working with i need a cigarette and i can do this (laughs) (laughs) shot of tequila man warm you up (laughs) yeah and it was funny too because that was back when i was smoking cigs and i was like no i'm not gonna bring cigs like i don't want to be the guy in colorado mountain air smoking a cig and then i get there and like every single other person with a camera in their hand is smoking cigs and i was like god damn it (laughs) High stress job, huh? 
<laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, dude, big ups to the skiers. Like the one dude was whipping around a red, and he was just skiing down the hill with it on a on a movie setup. And I'm like, dude, that's like you know, you yeah. don't bring three reds to a shoot like FPV drones. <laughs> yep, baller. Dude, so how much do you think, how much of flying like you fly uh, is skill, like built up skill or talent? Like when you see someone that can fly basically an edit that you have like admiration for, you're like, damn, he, he put it down there. That dude can fly. Like, do you think that that, I know you, it's a combination, but do you think that's more on the skill side or more on the talent side? I think more on the skill. I think with like seeing flight edits, the talent is in the creativity. Like yep. how you flew around the tree, what you framed when you did the trick, that kind of stuff. Um, yep. but I think in freestyle, like it's really like the, the repetition, the hard work and the skill of doing it all the time. And then when it comes to film shoots, I think it's almost all skill because you basically just have to like perform on demand so it's like all about consistency like it's okay if the shot's not like a hundred percent exactly perfect but mm -hmm. you better be able to do it 90 percent 10 times in a row yep um you so think i think that is that's it that's the ratio yeah yeah you think like the talent kind of feeds the skill it's like the talent maybe puts you in the right position to yep. capture something but then the actual like tactical nature, technical nature of capturing it is really based on repetition, practice, skill. Yeah, like a, like an example would be like the talent side of it. You're like, it'd be really cool to fly like under this, over that rail, and then catch up with the skier. Like that's the creative talent thinking, but then you need the skill to execute that creative vision. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, like it'd be horrible if you were at like, I, like I'm sure there had to have been some frustration for dudes like Air Blaster and Steph and Piot and stuff like that that are like really sick with cameras already and really creative. There must have been a phase where like they couldn't do on the sticks what they were envisioning. Like we all totally. go through that to some degree, but I think that they're like uh, the standards they hold themselves to are probably way higher than the average person getting an FPV. Yeah, that's probably true. And you've been seeing a lot more um, like large scale YouTubers and filmers getting into FPV. Yep. Um, I forgot those, those two guys I've seen recently. One of them actually almost cut his finger off. He had it all on film. I don't know if you saw that, but I, I try not to watch any of those videos. <laughs> homie doesn't, homie doesn't play that. Uh, noob tube. Okay. Ugh. God, dude, I would not. No, especially on a cold day. Like, not that it's good on any day, but on a cold day when your fingers are already all tender, you know? Oof. Yeah, like, yeah. I'll never forget when Brandy ripped her fingers apart so bad. That was I, bad, man. That was real bad. Dude, and she was so, like, I wasn't even laughing on the phone, and she was like, it's not funny. I was like, I'm not even laughing. I'm so sorry. Yeah. So, so bad. Um, she She healed up all right on that, though, right? Yeah, she's still got a gnarly scar from it. I think it might have fucked with her nerves a little bit, but uh, it was brutal. All things considered, <laughs> yeah, it yeah, like, not it as look, not looked like an alligator snapping turtle got <laughs> got her yeah. hands. So, all things considered, yeah. And uh, relative to my my dad's injuries on the uh, table saw, I think I told you about. Yeah, doesn't he not have a finger? Uh, I mean, it's there. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, relative to that. <laughs> it was hanging, you know, it was hanging by a thread and then they threaded the rest of it back on and it's there, you know. Yeah. But yeah, definitely not that. I don't, the thing I think about FPV quads is like, especially a five inch, I don't, maybe like a 10 inch would be different, but I don't think it'd go through your bone. I think you'd get down to it, wet a little way, create some yeah. new space and gaps that you didn't know about. But mm-hmm. I don't think it would straight just like, you know, I, I could see it like breaking a finger at a knuckle, but not just straight samurai swording through one of those things. Dude, I straight up circumcised a fingertip with one of those racecraft props. Oh, uh, dude, the ones that look like ninja stars. The, they have like a little tang on the yeah, edge. The that- 50-50 ones or whatever they were. That'll, that'll rip your shit real good. Yeah. Oh, and that, that, that's the other thing I was going to mention is I don't have any of them, but in the Rebel Dropbox or the quad box that went out, there's like a good amount of batteries with my face on it. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about that? Um, I actually, I feel good. I feel great about it. And I'm actually stoked that I don't have any because the only thing I can think of is going through TSA with those things. Oh, it'd be awesome. Like- Chase, Chase's branding is already like... <laughs> usually is mentioned at TSA every time. They're like, what are these things? And it's like a missing moke on the back, you know? Yeah. Uh, but if it was my own face on the missing batteries as I'm going through TSA, it'd just be a different kind of conversation. I don't know what it'd be, but I don't want to have to deal with it. Oh, man. No, that'd be good. You just show them that instead of your ID. You'd be like, <laughs> yeah. don't worry. Don't worry. You found I'm the me. battery guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm the, I'm the lipo dude. So That's pretty funny. Uh, you, uh, you've been looking at some cars recently. I thought you said you found an STI out near you. Bro, I've been looking at cars so much. I just want to get like a cheap STI that needs, like, I just want to find an STI with a solid drivetrain and then cosmetic blemishes, you know, okay. like cracked bumpers and stuff like that. I'm fine with, cause that's stuff I can fix or like replace. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be like you know, get one that failed a comp- compression test and needs a new bottom end rebuild or something like that. I couldn't do. Well, I'm in support of you getting a car. You can race me in because I'm sick of you kicking my ass in Forza, bro. It's not even fun anymore, dude. It, it, it's not that <laughs> far off. Come on. I'm like a couple seconds behind a couple seconds and a few hundred horsepower. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> i'm rocking like 600 horsepower versus All the right. same exact car yeah. you're in the nines that's fair Dude. it's like a six inch versus a three inch drone but you know and uh i almost dropped it down to 113s yesterday that was like the lap of my life all on, right on laguna i'm gonna have to i'm gonna get into it i'm gonna get into it yeah oh and speaking of that yeah 3d printed um an f1 wheel for my forza setup Dude, that is real sick. Dude, where'd you find the plans for that? Thingiverse, as always. I'd been I'd been like scrolling through Thingiverse wheels for a long time because they have like plans to build replica F1 wheels. Uh-huh. And like I didn't need that, obviously. I thought it'd be sick to hang on the wall and like take the time to build one. And then they have a lot that you can build for PC where you can wire up your own switches. But then finally someone uploaded one that was just a replacement for the Logitech wheel. Oh, dude. So you just pulled your round wheel off the Logitech and made your own wheel for the rest of it? Yep. And then um, it's all in ABS plastic, but I wrapped the handles in Alcantara and I vinyl wrapped the whole thing in carbon print. So it's fake carbon, but it looks, it's a block away. It looks sick from a block away. That's fancy. Yeah. And it cost me like 23 bucks to make. Yeah. That's like DIY fancy though. That's dope. Yep. 
Super um, sick. Yeah, well, I got to get a wheel and then we'll, we'll get at it, man. Get on the same level. Yeah, you got to get a wheel. And then after we announced like the Beat My Laguna <clears throat> lap time, no one of the listeners even came close. No, like, there was one. Wasn't there one dude that gave you a good? Uh, he actually challenged you. He tried, bit? yeah, and he wanted me to run the track that he was best at, and um, I beat him by like twenty-one seconds or something. Oh, I shouldn't have even brought it up. I'm sorry. I was murdering, bro. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This four and a half, five weeks off, man. It's just for, for yeah. the city. I'm sorry to that dude, but I, I feel your pain, man, because Martin's Martin's pretty fucking fast. It's it's my second career sim racing. The frustrating part is I used to think I was fast, so, but that was on the wheel. So you just wait, Martin. There's there's a wheel in store for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some competition. Yeah, but I think it's all about spec racing, right? Yep. In fact, is multi GP spec racing? Are all the drone races spec racing or not? Just DRL and uh, D was it DR not DR one DCL DCL. Yeah, and the DR1 isn't spec, but it's like limited, I think. Yeah, man, spec racing is all about the, what do they say? Like it's the carpenter, not the tool kind of thing. You know, I like that. I like it when you can take the gear out of it, but I still think the F1 teams with their engineering and shit makes, that's pretty I th- awesome. I think it's, the, both are equally sick. Like the yeah. F1 of the world is, um you know, innovating stuff that's probably going to be in spec racing in like five years and in road cars in 10. And then, I mean, all the F1 drivers came up in basically spec racing, like F3 and F2, I'm pretty sure are spec. Um, most of the karting stuff is maybe not exactly spec, but you're not really like reinventing the wheel with a cart, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So DRL kind of levels the playing field, huh? By having everyone on the same quad and then... Uh, and a slower one too, you know? Like the DRL quads aren't like what the multi-GP Nationals guys are flying. It's like a spec race with a bunch of school buses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we're going to be doing <laughs> Le Mans and Honda Accords this year. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Which makes for great racing though, right? Like there's a reason that Miata 100%. Cup cars and shit are so fun. Yep. Yeah, scalable. You, know, you can get into it. Like, how many drones do they have to build, man? If they had... One billion. <laughs> it's a lot. It's yeah. A lot. So many drones, dude. I haven't even keeping up with that this year. How many? Are they done? Do they still have more? I don't watch a single I'm one. Checked out, dude. You know, I've been building some projects and... Has Vanover won yet? Yeah, probably. Actually, I, you know, I'm kind of rooting for that, dude. You know, I want to see. I want to see him do well. Totally. Either him or uh, it'd be sick to see Jet win again. It would, yeah. And like, I mean, Nurk's a hard ass working dude too. Um, but like, mm-hmm. I was just, I'm just friends with Jordan, and then Alex is just like so cocky and into FPV. Like, he and he's so good to back it too. You know, like he's a pretty mm-hmm. cocky dude, but he's he's sick. Yeah, I feel like the, the guys who really. F- do well in DRL are kind of the OGs, you know, but to see Vanover come in as like the, the new guy and then tear it up with those. And I think that's cool. Yeah. But, okay. Vanover hasn't posted any DRL stuff. Um, speaking of edits that blew my mind, Vanover's freestyle at Daytona beach over the water was pretty epic. That was sick. So low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. kid, kid was getting so low. 
Definitely. Um, speaking of uh, flying over water too, I was flying over a lake um, here in Kansas and just spotted the foundation of a house in the middle of the lake. And I don't know why, but it just creeped me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was it flooded or do you, did the house like wash into the river or what happened? I think it was flooded because it was like maybe a couple hundred yards from a dam. Mm. Um, but it was just like the whole series of events, like pulled up to the lake. There's like two dead possums and four dead deer within like a hundred yards of where I parked. And then there's like a few random people. Like it's very like the show Ozarks kind of place, like deciduous forest with dead animals littered throughout it apparently. And then there's like shacks in the middle of the lake for um, hunting. And so I was flying out to go do like loops around those and I saw it on that. So it was like the whole vibe of the area was like a little off. And then I was like, Shit. what the hell is a f- like foundation and just doing the middle of the lake, you know? <laughs> and who else has seen this? Like who else has noticed this? Because how many other people are flying quads over? Yeah. Might need to get that footage over to someone. <laughs> yeah. Like that dude that found that missing person's car in a lake using Google Earth kind of thing. Yeah, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, some dude was just scrolling through Google Earth and found a car submerged under a lake that you could see from the air, and uh, they investigated it. It was someone that had been missing for like seven years. Whoa, that's a trip off of Google Earth. Yeah. God damn. Sometimes I'll scroll Google Earth, just try to find flight spots or like like follow rivers like by me. Or then I'll just go to like like in Japan, there's some pretty crazy abandoned islands that I like to check out on Google. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you get to uh, when you get the new Microsoft Flight Simulator, you can fly out to those. Oh, dude, that game looks so insane. Yeah, dude, it's a, a real world map, right? Like yeah, for the first time. 2000 terabytes. <laughs> And it's like scale. That's nuts. Yeah, you like, I don't know. Can you fly to your house? Is that a thing? I've, I don't know. I don't know if it's mapped, but I know you can like fly from San Francisco to Japan and like land wherever you want. Yeah. I would definitely, you know, going back to what we said, I would definitely be like New York City in a Red Bull plane. Yeah. I'm going to go <laughs> dive that Forest Hill Bridge. Yeah. Take this FAA. Tell me I can't fucking. <laughs> Knife edge this. All right. Yeah. Um, speaking, speaking of the of, FAA, I did oh, see that. Speaking of the, speaking of the. I was saying that uh, I saw they sent out an email that said they weren't going to be like pursuing social media complaints anymore. Well, that's good for us, I guess. As the recipient of one, I'm pretty stoked. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you do. Now, can you still get a complaint from the FAA if you're doing the work for free? Or does it think- have to be commercial? It has to be commercial. Like, that's what Trappy was saying is they got him on. Like, he did the New York flights, and they didn't get him, and he was flying, like, Statue of Liberty, and then he did the Virginia Tech, but it was a paid gig, and that's when they threw the book at him. Got it. Yeah. Mm. Which is interesting. uh, It'll help my pricing model, actually. Yeah. Which is interesting, too, because, like, I don't... Like, for the most part, I get the sense that people that are doing this for money are already, like, more responsible because they, like, need to deliver a product and be on point. You know, like, I'm not Mm going to, even if I was doing it illegally and didn't have a 107, I wouldn't be, like, a jackass at a film shoot with my quad doing risky shit. Mm -hmm. If I was, like, with my friends at the park or, like, downtown, just, you know, skateboarding kind of vibes. (laughs) Yeah, let's say you worked for a software company and weren't flying for any sort of money. You could just 
be a jackass. The world is your oyster, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Send it. Send it. Um, speaking of sending it, uh, that DCL drone, have you seen like the real world size one of them called Airspeeder or whatever? It's like the... Yeah, I've been following them for like a year, I think. Is that all just marketing, you know, fairy dust or is that real? Um, I think my gut feeling is it's marketing fairy dust. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I hope it's real. I also kind of hope it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine the insurance policy that those guys would need. Yeah, and I can't like, like how, like what if a plot, prop blows up, you know? Like what if anything happens? They're dead. You're dead. <laughs> you're going so fast, you're high off the ground. You, you'd need one of those shoots like the, you can install in like Cessnas and whatnot, you know, the emergency yeah. shoot. I'd want one of those for sure. And I'd probably want one that's like accelerometer activated or some shit because if one of those prop blows and one of those things hits you in the head, you're not going to be conscious. No, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> you might as well strap some crash dummies in those things. Like, yeah. And then how do you fly it? Are you holding the Tyrannus in there? <laughs> With a neck strap on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'd probably feel most comfortable flying here with a Tyrannus, if I'm going to be honest. Oh, no, bro. You got to have that thrust, foot pedal, center stick. No, I just give me a Tyrannus. I could land a 747 in a tyr- with a Tyrannus. <laughs> I bet you could. Yeah. If you had enough switches for flaps and shit. Yep. On the pots and everything. Yeah. Set up a switch to bring you, you know, a vodka soda or something like that, too. That'd be sick. Call a stewardess on a switch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, what were you going to say about RPM filtering and surround sound? Oh, shit. Um, like this, was a, this was a deep dive topic. <clears throat> it was, dude, because I've been, I don't know, I've just been thinking about software a lot lately because I went to that conference and, you know, I do marketing software and we talk about AI and machine learning all the time and you know those, uh, you know those surround sound systems that you set up for your home theater that have a little microphone, and it's like basically active um, environment control or active uh, EQ calibration or whatever it is. Basically, it's in an active way, meaning like it's recording input. Um, it's learning from that and then changing all the variables in your sound system, right? So like. For example, I'll set up my dad's system. It's like a what a 10.2 or a 10.1 or whatever the hell it is. And it sends out a test tone on each speaker. You set up a microphone in the room where you're sitting so that it's basically capturing those tones like the human ear. And then it adjusts the filtering and even the level for each speaker so that it basically, um, basically it's receiving the right mix from the perspective of the listener. And it's doing that, capturing it all from a microphone. So I was like, hmm, that's really interesting. You need that for my podcast. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <clears throat> so I start thinking like, well, I was, I was thinking about filtering and trying to learn more about, you know, ESC settings and, and filtering and latency. And right now I'm getting into the FET tech setup that runs at a lower 
a lower sample rate. And there's just, there's just so much data and information and ways of processing this stuff that it, you know, it's, it's really confusing. So I was trying to think like, well, how is dynamic filtering different from RPM filtering? That was really my question. Right. So I was like, okay, so I, I understand what a notch filter is, right? Like kills, kills noise at a certain frequency. And most of the time we're running low pass filters. So most of the signals on the low end, most of the noise is on the high end. That makes sense to me. Right. And then dynamic filtering, right. It's basically, um, averaging it's, it's looking for noise throughout a spectrum of frequency. Right. And because it's looking for noise, that's why these dynamic filters take so much, uh, compute power, right? Like your CPU on your, on your flight controllers, running at a, at a higher, uh, workload. Which ultimately makes your, that's what Felix was saying, or not Felix, but uh, Alex. That's what Alex was saying about flying a quad in the past, right? You layer on so much intelligence to your quad that all of a sudden the processing time of processing that data, it doesn't take action on that data until, you know, milliseconds, many, many milliseconds after you give it that, that stick input, right? See, you're literally flying a quad in the past, which I thought when you said that, that was super funny. That was like the most mind blowing thing I think someone said on the podcast where I like had to take a step back and he's like, if you're adding filtering, you're adding time. I was like, huh. Yeah. Totally. Crazy. And I think a lot of other things in the world like audio where you use filtering, that doesn't, you know, the latency doesn't matter unless you're you're trying to like do things in a live setting, but you know, for recording or whatever, that doesn't make a difference. But when you're flying a drone and it's processing this stuff in real time and affecting the, the output variables or the output actions of the quad, like it's going to make a big difference. So I was like, all right, so what's better dynamic or RPM and started learning about RPM filtering, you know, um, and I don't fly a lot of beta flight quads, but, you know, having set up the, the RPM filtering, I thought it was pretty interesting. The most interesting part about that was that it's controlling the, uh, it's controlling the filtering per motor, right? Which makes a lot of sense because with dynamic filtering, it's looking for noise and averaging across four motors. That makes a ton of sense if all the motors are spinning at the same speed, right? Yep. But if you got one motor, if you're in a roll maneuver, you got your left motor spinning at three times the, the RPM of you know your right-hand motors and they're producing noise in different areas, which, you know, which is maybe why dynamic filtering flies really well, like steady, and then maybe on high input stuff, you know, maybe it doesn't always feel as locked in as other things. So that just got me thinking, man. So like, what if we could have a quad system <clears throat> where we kind of calibrate it like those speakers in real time? Like you had an active learning, like in, in software, we call it machine learning and AI. So if we had a way to an adapt a learning mode to your quad, so you know, RPM filtering makes sense and all these, you know, static frequencies make sense, setting it up like you send me your tune. But honestly, your props at your altitude with your frame, it's going to provide different, uh, maybe maybe slightly different electronic noise, but definitely different physical noise. And so, you know, I think stat so so having a learning phase where maybe you you start with a baseline RPM base tune or even something that's more dynamic, but have it really learn from everything you put it through. So you get out there with your quad, you force it through some power loops, you do some flip tricks, um, you know, you really bang on the sticks and fly into your prop wash. And throughout this, you know, it's 
learning where its baseline settings are at and where you know it's producing noise in these different conditions your flight environment your frame you know flying through dirty air the way you do right but make it learn where it's going to see these noise variables and then almost create like a personalized AI dynamic tune for your specific quad. You know what I mean? And that's happening a bit with the gyro taking readings, but I mean more like a learning mode, like where you actually force like flip it a to- switch, rip it the way you normally fly for 30 seconds, flip the switch off and it takes that chunk of data to create its own tune. Totally. And so if you think about it, like to do that in real time, that's going to make you fly a quad in the past. Right, which is kind of what it's doing by capturing the gyro data and then trying to process it in real time. But with a learning mode, right, you could give it so much data as a foundation without it using real time computing, right? It could be set as like, this is my like build, right? This is my tune build for this quad that's been recorded through whatever. So yeah, when I was uh when I was on one, I was thinking about that and uh yeah, it all started with that audio idea. So I'm like, how do we record? Like, yeah, you know where I'm going with that, dude. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the one thing that, or the thing, that, the thing that comes to mind that would be awesome about that is like, let's say you're flying long range and you like clipped a tree branch up some mountain and you bent the shit out of one prop, you could switch it to learning mode for like 10 seconds and flip it back and it would adjust for that bent prop instead of like doing it in real time all the time, trying to fix that prop. Um, and then, the other thing I was going to say is uh, that totally exists. Like I know Pixhawk has that built in like Ardu pilot stuff. Really? Like a calibration phase? Or yeah. Like you put it on like, it's like an open pid loop. You go fly it by the sticks. You go fly this UAV manually uh-huh. with this mode and then it'll create its own set of pids based on that flight. And it's not, it, it, I mean, it's pr- like it's Pixhawk. So like it's pretty, not, I mean, like a Pixhawk, I think is like 200 something bucks and autopilots go up to like 10, 12 G's, you know, yep. so it's like a pretty, you know, beginner level of that, but like the direction definitely exists, but it would be so sick. Um, unless it came out on Falco X then that would be so sick. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm banking on, I'm banking on this kiss stuff, bro. I'm going to try everything, fly everything. I, I, I like my flight one rigs. I'm not saying anything about them but yeah and i should say that too like my flight one shit still flies so great for me it was the triple punch of george fpv flying kiss because i love his videos and his style and i thought he flew flight one um and then a one two punch of alex and then um our friend (laughs) telling me that i need to switch to kiss and then um me just being so frustrated with the customer experience of flight one um yeah well, if there are any um, KISS and FETTECH thought leaders out there, people that are like using this product, like uh, hit me up. I want to talk to you about ESC settings. You know, I got this 20 by 20. I don't really know what hardware's out there. I just bought essentially the first FETTECH stuff I could find online. Yeah. So help a brother out. Literally typed it into Google and clicked the first link. That's what I did when I was trying to find, like help you out with the 20 by 20. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, where that I bought it from, you know, Brooklyn Mark, and I saw him building it on a rig. So I'm like, all right, let's let's do this. But I know there's more information out there than I have, and you know, I don't even know if I bought the right hardware. But we're gonna check it out. It's gonna be sick. I, yeah, I'm curious to see what you think about it because um, I think I was like a little 
I was already so pissed off about the whole ESC thing that I was like looking for a reason to jump. Whereas like you haven't been dealing with that and you're just more chill about it. So I'm curious to see what you think about it from a more subjective and non emotional <laughs> place. Yeah. <laughs> well, I canceled my ESC order and it wasn't like I just, you know, took a hammer to my flight one rigs. Like I still love my flight one rigs. And I think that's um, the biggest part of the frustration is the love for the flight one rigs. Like I wouldn't care if it didn't fly that great. It's just like, and I get that you can plug in, you know, like Acon and um, Hobbywing ESCs, but like I really believe in like the closed ecosystem. This plugs into yeah. here, and that's how it was designed. Yep, exactly. But um, I have Hobby Wings running my Flight One stacks now. I don't have. I think I have one more Bolt Thirty Two that's still running. Um, I might just frame that and put it on the wall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good stuff. But yeah, try try some new things and. Yep, and I liked like the in the Alex podcast where he's like, "We don't add anything that's not useful," you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's my keep, keep it stupid simple, right? Kiss. Yeah, that was the point I was going to bring up. Like, uh, even the flight, I still haven't tried Falco. Like when I say my Flight One rigs fly awesome, it's still old, old firmware. Yep, same. N- n- nothing on Falco. Yeah, it's been probably about a year, almost a year since whenever it came out in like March, the Alpha you- version. I think one of my rigs has eight. I'm running eight percent throttle now. You running something like that, or are you running seven or eight? Eight or nine now. Just goes up every week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think on uh, on um, like PWM value and Kiss, it's like eleven hundred and ten or something, eleven hundred and twelve. Cool, dude. I'm a bit embarrassed, man. I've had the HDO twos for like a week and a half, no, like two weeks now. Yeah, you haven't brought it up, so I haven't brought it up. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> They're still shrink-wrapped, bro. That's a good position to be in, though, like having some brand-new new, hot, hot goggles just in the box, not having a need to open them. Yeah, I really do want to check them out. I've just been, you know, I've been building a lot of other stuff lately, so. Yeah. But it'll, it'll be a good winter. We'll go fly in Utah. Um, you come out to the Bay and get some packs in. Packs uh, some seafood. I'm gonna have to see if you can translate those Forza skills onto the racetrack, dude. If we go up to Sonoma Raceway, I might try to see if I can get you in a little head-to-head competition in some shifter carts. Bro, I haven't been in a shifter cart in like 12 years, but uh, I'll come out of soft retirement. Uh, well, you got a you got about a hundred pound weight advantage on me. Yep, <laughs> hundred pounds and probably a little smaller drag coefficient. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I have a big head. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, be, uh, when when I was like 15, as a surprise, my dad entered me in like a youth car race. Um, never driven stick, didn't have my license, and it was like a Ford Fiesta with a roll cage and one racing seat and a five-point harness. Sick. And fucking, uh, it wasn't too bad because in a race, you only have to get off the line and then you don't have to, like, which like was all clutch roast for me, basically. Uh, and then it was just a time trial and I got third place. So my track skills go a ways back. Nice. Still got the trophy. Nice. Oh, um, I meant to tell you, man, I got a box from, from Hacko today. Oh yeah. I think it's got your name on it. Talk about it. Well, so, uh, we've been working with Hacko to produce some content and do some giveaways and even offer listeners of the podcast and people that come to Yaspin um, a discount on Hacko Soldering Irons. We, uh, 
Martin, what, what iron do you use? You use the triple eight? Yep. So Martin and I both use the uh, Hacko, I think it's FX888D or something like that. They make a digital one. They make an analog one. It's, a, I'd say, a probably high to middle of the road soldering iron. It's got a base station and a stand. You've probably all seen it. It's a pretty common one. Um, I love it. But <clears throat> I was looking for something more portable and... Um, you know, wanted to see what Hacko had. And they made a, a recommendation on one of their newer travel irons that actually produces more heat than the triple eight. And, um, you know, we'll be excited to talk about that on the podcast and on Yaspin. And, uh, I think I just got a box here with some irons for giveaway, but it's two of two or three of those irons for giveaway with some t-shirts and some soldering sponges and some tip cleaners and some fun stuff like that. So be on the lookout for Martin to uh, you know, be releasing that giveaway and talking more about that. And you'll probably see some content on Yaspin um, as well about soldering and stuff. So, Yeah, shout out to Hacko for hooking it up. I mean, we've been using Hacko for a while. And to me, it's been like the gold standard of soldering irons. I think like the one we use is the AAA is like hands down the best in that price bracket. Like you can spend more on iron, but for that, what is it like 99 bucks, 100 bucks? No, I think it's more than that, dude. I think it's maybe uh, 120. Yeah. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. And I've had mine for like two years, never replaced a tip. Like heats <laughs> up in an instant, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, I love, I love that one too. Uh, this one looks pretty cool, dude. It's got the temperature control on the handle. It's kind of a whip style, right? So it just plugs into an outlet. Yeah. Um, not as... Uh, you know, it's not battery powered, but I think it might give you better performance. Yeah, the battery powered ones are like I I rock one with me just in case of emergency, but it's not my favorite thing to use. Yep. And then I gotta wait before I can put it back in my tool bag. Yeah, I ended up buying one of those uh, lithium battery cells that is like for um, like CPAP devices, like when when your power goes out at your house and you need to power crucial shit. Like your freezer or whatever else. Your email, whatever, you know. <laughs> your <email>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. <laughs> when you're right, you're right, you know. <laughs> when you're right, you're right, bro. <laughs> um, no, so, yeah, I got that in the back of the car so I can plug in anything. But I never wanted to bring the full Hacko rig in the back of the car because I think it stays hot and it doesn't have an easy place to put the... Um, the iron when I'm done with it and that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to trying these things out and, uh, you know, seeing some people win some, some sick irons. Totally. It's going to be sick. Stay tuned. Get your soldering game on point and some probably throwing some merch in there too. Some t-shirts. Oh yeah. Speaking of merch, man, that's a pretty sick hat you got right there. Oh, this fly life hat right here. Oh, you mean this? Yeah. <clears throat> Dude, it was funny. Some lady at home Depot that worked there commented on the hat. Really? Yeah, I went there to get some VHB today, and she uh, like I I couldn't find it. I was like, "Hey, double sided tape." She's like, "Oh, that's a really cool hat. You could almost make that into like a pattern and do it on a print if you made them." And I was like, "I do make them." (laughs) (laughs) She was like, "You stitched that?" I was like, "No, I didn't stitch it, but like I sell the hats and I designed it." She was like, "Oh, that's super cool." I was like, "Yeah, tell me more about this pattern you're thinking about." (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah, we'll have to do some. Uh, we'll have to do maybe some coupon codes for for like an after Christmas thing or something. 
Yeah, I want to do like an after Christmas like merch box giveaway because I just got a big order of stuff because like I got all my uh, friends and family merch for Christmas as you do, so the whole family can be rocking match shit out in town. Yep, you um, got the whole Fly Life Squadron now. Yeah, but the boxes are so like I don't know. It, it almost looked like a subscription box, and it got me thinking it'd be sick to like send that out as like a giveaway as like a box of this merch. Yeah, we can sweeten it up with all sorts of stuff. But yeah, a box full of merch would be sick. Some coffee cups. Yeah. Some, some swanky shirts. What else you got on there? Packable jackets, hoodies. Shirts, hats, and a mug. Did you see the new Yaspin hat? Yeah. Am I wearing it? I can't even tell. You are. Yep, it's on your head. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. You never know. It's either it's either Yaspin or Dubs, bro. Yeah. Golden, Golden State. Yaspin on today. Double Yaspin. Yaspin shirt and Yaspin hat. Just bean. Um, bro, how's that Peloton life? <clears throat> I love it, dude. Ryder's been uh, beating calories in the submission for like the last few weeks on his Peloton. Oh, man. It's great. Dude, physical and mental health is key to happiness. So I've been working on both and Peloton's been helping with the physical side. I've been ripping classes. Dude. And I, I hate working out, man, but I still burn like 850 calories in an hour. Shit's gnarly. So gnarly, dude. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the added value is someone right in front of you, especially, uh, you know, especially a girl on a bike yelling at you to, you know, keep going. It helps. <laughs> it helps. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like such a loser at the end of it, but yeah, it's good. That'd be funny if they made like you entered information and they made it like super personalized. <laughs> it's know? like before you purchase this tell me about your fears and weaknesses as a person <laughs> yeah, and then they just tap right into that all psychological just yeah. fuck you up. you're never gonna pedal away from those six dragons in that job interview Ryder, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this isn't when you were eight in t-ball hurry up pedal yeah. harder. Yeah. that would be great you think you can quit this like college? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just super just personal. Like abusing you, yeah. I yeah. like it. That's that's my type of That's dope, dude. Maybe, yeah, you need to replace the Peloton with the sim rig. Oh, yeah. Well, you know why the Peloton happened, right? So you can justify the sim rig to the lady? No. no. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, man, but I bought I bought some racing seats to build up some racing sims. And I thought I bought the, well, I did buy the wide version of the racing seat. And I went to go sit in that fucking thing. And I didn't fit in it. And I'm like, motherfuck, I just spent this much goddamn money on a wide racing seat and I ain't going to fit in it. So what I do, I'm like, all right, dad, you're getting a racing sim and I'm getting a Peloton. And I'm going <laughs> to. That's a super positive way to look at it, though. Yeah, it I think a lot of people would just call back and be like, "Do you guys have a bigger one?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't want to make that call, so um, I'm just I'm just big bone, bro. Yeah, but yeah, and then it's a that to my defense, those racing seats are supposed to hold your ass in there carrying multiple G's. So the X the extra wide is actually way oversized for my dad, but it's perfect, like in terms of like casually sitting in it. Yeah, like I don't know Sunday you know, in the living room. You can't really casually sit in an F1 seat. No, you're like <laughs> molded into it. Yeah. Get him like the real hardcore F1 seat doesn't even have a cushion. You're like, it's so you can feel the traction through the tires, Dad. 
Yeah. <laughs> you got to take a hairdryer to your body just so you can like thermo mold into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you start sweating. You just can't get out. You're just <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So got on the Peloton to try to shave some pounds and get in shape and, and hopefully fit into a different racing seat. And then it just justifies the purchase. Right. Cause then I don't feel like such a, yeah. you, you don't get a lot of exercise. Like, wow. Another sitting hobby. This is going to be sick. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, honey, hobbies. I go FPV outside. It's so it's chill. Well, yeah. To to that point, man. I uh, one of my other hobbies is shooting. You know, and I just built up a pretty crazy rifle. And uh, you know, that's another hobby where you're always seated most of the time is shooting rifles. But at the club near my house, they have a they have an action range, action and three gun range. And I don't know if you ever seen three gun, but. It's yeah, you, you run through a time course. Some, some John a, Wick training. Yeah, with a sh- <laughs> shotgun, uh, uh, you know, a semi-auto rifle and a semi-auto handgun, and you run the course for time and compete. And I think that's pretty badass. So, just yeah, in un- terms unloading of unloading uh, justice on the, on the clock. Yeah, I'm like, all right, well, I can justify that because there's some movement there. I get a little bit of exercise, so yeah, yeah. and we'll see, man. That's super exciting. I'm supposed to go look at guns on Tuesday, I think. <clears throat> You gonna look at them? Yeah, I'm thinking about getting my concealed carry. Ooh, my aunt's going to get hers. My mom already has hers, and like, I just go out to the lot, like the place I was talking about, with like this dead deer and the dead possums. Like, I just, you know, yeah, would feel better if I had a firearm when I'm out in the middle of nowhere by some lake. Sure, and it's like me and two rednecks that just keep shadily looking at me from the other side of the boat ramp. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to see him coming, like fully immersed in your goggles, but you I'm going to fly with my pistol in my hand, <laughs> hold my Tyrannus <laughs> just start, you know, if I hear something sketch, I'll just start yeah. shooting off with the it's goggles still chain. on. Yeah, it's just a, it's a keychain <laughs> lanyard on my uh, neck strap. Yeah. Goggles still on just blasting <laughs> <laughs> <and> rounds. <laughs> Oh, dude, which reminds me, I got to I got to email San Quentin, bro. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> just make sure you tell San Quentin that it's for research. You're not just asking them if they have protection against drones. And then also yeah, yeah. don't be like, yeah, my cousin Vinny, who's out in cell block three was saying. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to hit San Quentin up and see if they want to run some uh, some anti drone drills and see if they can pop me out of the sky with it shotgun dude i got a hundred bucks on you yeah we'll see you know um hoping you not shoot to end a- up like goose yeah yeah i think could you shoot a drone down with a shotgun totally if you knew that there was going to be someone with a shotgun trying to shoot you down could you outfly the situation totally yep yeah I, I don't know dude i think three i don't think you could outfly three shotguns <clears throat> Bro, why don't you put some goggles on and watch the revolution? That's that's what I'm saying, bro. I, you know, these guards are going to talk a big game. Yeah, but that's the thing. If you knew what was happening, you could be like, okay, well, I'm just going to fly through here because that way they're in each other's crossfire. They can't shoot there. Oh, that's a good point. Now, now you're getting smart. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or like I was saying earlier, like if you really wanted to get a drone somewhere that was like guarded by shotguns, I would just go to 399 feet and just nosedive off yeah. throttle and then catch it in the last 10 feet mm-hmm. and then out of there again. Like you, like if you full throttled vertically, no one's going to be shooting that shit down. You're, yeah. you're gone. Yeah. I mean, I'm usually more of like a, 
beg for forgiveness than ask for permission kind of person. But I think in this scenario, you know, me flying a drone over San Quentin with a little post-it on it that says, you know, hey, I'm not, this is non-criminal use of a drone. I don't think that's going to lighten the load. If you shoot this down, call Greg at FPV Security Consulting. (laughs) That's your your pitch. Yeah. um, I really wasn't dropping weapons or drugs into the prison. This was just really a research project. Oh, yeah. Right. We're going to. No, that's three and a half. We're going to make an example out of your ass. On there. (laughs) You're like, ah, yeah. Cute story. Uh, Come on in here. You're getting sent to Guantanamo. Yeah. Yeah, So it's going to start with an email and uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. <laughs> Go from there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was flying over the uh, guard tower. The I've other been day in and out of here like four times the last week. I wonder if you guys are noticing. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've been, uh, been taunting the guards and they really don't seem to really respond to anything. I just want to make sure everything's all right. Uh, <laughs> like a giant Serenia's tattoo on your neck. <laughs> oh, fuck. Dude, don't even go there, bro. Don't even yeah. go there. Danger, danger, yeah. danger. That's why I have an AR. Jesus. Uh, yeah, and also me getting a gun is completely unrelated to this conversation. <laughs> it's the bears, I tell you. Yeah. Bears. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, there's a lot of anti-gun stuff out there, and there's a lot of bad things happening with guns. But, uh, you know, good luck with your CCW, bro. Yeah, thanks, dude. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say, dude. I was I was on Facebook Marketplace looking at cars and racing sims on like my usual daily perusing, and a lot of people here sell like baked goods and food on Facebook Marketplace, uh-huh. like tamales and like bread and shit. And I was like, dude, that's got to be mad illegal, right? Yeah, for sure, not it, legal. It, it's not <laughs> It's legal here in Kansas. Wait, what? Yeah. No, it has to be produced in like a food safe kitchen. Uh uh-uh. Yeah, fuck that. I ain't coming to Kansas. Ain't coming to Kansas, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's called like a cottage foods law. What? Like you can cook for people in small batches and sell it as long as you're like under a certain amount. Oh my god, bro! If they had yeah, because I was like, I was like, this is so weird. Like, you can't be fucking selling tamales on Facebook. This seems so weird. Especially coming from Colorado, which like we had the restaurant, so I was like way in tune with the health code regulations. Um, but I was like, I would not get that shit. But which brings me back to my point of like regulations in Kansas, like no emissions regulations. You can carry mm-hmm. a gun, open carry a gun pretty much anywhere. You can sell food. You're allowed to text and drive. They don't even punish for that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, have you seen the meme where the dude made um, cell phone cookies and he gets pulled over by the cop and just takes a bite out of the cookie and the cop is just like so like besides themselves? No, dude, I got to watch that. It's so good. Have you seen the one where those kids on Venice Beach tell the cops they got a bunch of Coke in the car? I've seen that, yeah. And they got like 80 cans of Coca-Cola. Yep. Yeah, and there's dude... Some of those are pushing the line. I mean, anyways. Yeah, like uh, that was totally not illegal, but I definitely wouldn't want to do a prank that I'd still have to defend in court later. You know, there's guys that go out there with a water bong or whatever and fill it with tobacco and are like smoking it in front of a cop. And they're like, what, man? It's tobacco. And it's like, uh, I mean, uh, I guess it's funny, but. Yeah. Or like you want a little pot. They pull that's out a not, cooking pot. Yeah, dude. I've seen those. <laughs> that's not my humor, bro. It's not that's not my humor. 
Those are my people. Well, shit, yeah, you got Uh, anything else? Yeah, talking about cooking, man. Aren't you uh, just celebrating the anniversary of, like, leaving cooking behind you? Yeah, the uh, 17th, two days ago, was two years to the day that we had our last dinner service at the restaurant. Nice. Yeah, I know uh, know you're big into food. I am. I've been cooking, dude, so much lately. That's what Uh, you said. What have you been making? Yesterday, I made wings for the neighborhood block party, but I went, like, did the all-out wings where I boil them first, and then I fired up the butane deep fryer in the driveway and, like, like a turkey fryer. Made, like, 50 wings and then made an adobo barbecue sauce. So tasty. I also made some Hormel Velveeta dip, but that wasn't really... (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah, that's gourmet right there, bro. Yeah, and then I made some flatbreads. But, uh, yeah, dude, two years since the restaurant. That's crazy, man. Like, that was my life for 14 years. Dinner service, five days a week. And then, I mean, I really, like, I haven't had a real job since then. So it's kind of like time's been cruising by. But I definitely would, uh, you know, I'm sticking to my promise of never going back to a kitchen ever. Not that I have anything against it, but, like. You made it out alive. Yeah. And I don't think I love, I, lo- I love cooking, but I hate customer service. Yeah. You know, so much, like just so much, just people like that's, that was the thing I hated the most was like staff and customers. Yeah. But, uh, I like the actual, <laughs> <laughs> but the food, the food I get down with, but the people, nah, just, yeah. Like I loved having like, you know, 13 tickets on the pass, totally slammed and you dig yourself out of the weeds and then you have this trauma yep. bond with all the people in the kitchen. But then like if a customer like would call me out there to complain and I had to be like, keep it chill after like three beers in the kitchen and somebody trying to tell me, you know, what they think about the cooking being like. Like I, th- that's the thing too. Is like we would always handle any. Like if someone bit into their food, you know, or like took a couple bites, and we're like, yeah, this isn't to my liking. Totally chill. If you eat the whole fucking thing and then afterwards tell me how much you didn't like it, get bent and get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Um, like this uh, lady one time told me she she asked me to come out of the kitchen, which when it's busy, I already hate doing. Like when I gotta leave the line, mm-hmm. and she got the vegetarian dish and then tells me. Um, she didn't eat all day and the portion wasn't as big as she thought it would be. She's still hungry. What else can I cook her? And she was like, well, I don't think I should have to pay for more food since I'm still hungry from the dish that I ate. Mm-hmm. And I was like, lady, it's my job to feed you, not to make sure you've been fed. So just order anything you want and we'll cook it up for you. But I'm not cooking you something for free. Just people like that. Just yeah. me nuts. Or like, yeah, so two years since that, had to throw a couple people out, like drag them by the t-shirt collar. One dude started acting off and calling her wait- waitress a bitch. And then it's been three years since the dude tried to steal uh, the subi off me with a knife. Oh, yeah. I remember that story. That's a crazy one. Three-year anniversary since that. Yeah. Have you ever told that story? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah, just dude with a knife on math trying to take my <laughs> STI from me and yeah. got fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, keeping it back on food, bro, one thing I did try recently was um, when we were out uh, hanging out with Jim, we were talking about sous vide or sous vide, a, uh, what do you call it, tri-tip. Yeah. I usually do a tri-tip on the grill, but you know, on the pointed ends of the tri-tip, it gets very well done, right? It doesn't stay like consist- consistently uh, medium rare throughout. So I, I tried sous vide, the whole uh, tri-tip. And then I use the uh, flamethrower, the Searsall. Yeah. 
And we cooked that for Thanksgiving, dude. It was awesome. That was some of the best tri-tip I've ever cooked, dude. And How long did you have to CV for? And what time did you go with? At three hours at one third, 129, maybe. I think it was 129 or 130. Yeah, just a few degrees below like a perfect like 135 or 134. And then by the time you hit the sears all with it, it cooks it, brings it up a little. And did you put anything in the bag with it, like olive oil, garlic, rosemary, or just salt? Yeah, pepper? no, I marinated them. I did, uh, well, one was a dry rub, so just salt, pepper, paprika, um, I think maybe even a bit of cumin, garlic powder, uh, might have been some onion powder in that one. It's just a basic dry rub. And then the other one I did, like orange juice, soy sauce, rice wine vinegar uh like apple slices like tried to make like a fruity soy kind of how epicurean of you call me kind of you know yeah adventurous one so that one um <clears throat> it was marinated in wet marinade so you got to take the meat out of the wet marinade and then reseal it because you don't want to sous it in the in the liquid or at least i didn't want to so yeah they were incredible man bomb yeah. Sounds fucking delicious. I, uh, I I made some roast duck to celebrate the restaurant being closed this week. I forgot to mention that. Hell yeah. How'd that turn out? Dude, so good. I forgot how good roast duck is. I made roast duck, um, sweet and sour braised red cabbage, and uh, then some like palm fondant potatoes. Bomb. So good, dude. I had a roast duck in about two years, I don't think. And that's like one of the staples of the Czech Republic. That's like the... Like a roast duck with cabbage. Normally, you eat it with bread dumplings, but they take so long to cook. We just did potatoes. Nice, dude. Yeah. I love talking about food, man. I love food. Food is so good. <laughs> I fucking love food. Um, no, remember on the uh, what was it the FPV show? How they used to talk about food a little bit, and like I think none of them had ever eaten an avocado or some. Yeah, I remember or, that. I, Hyph had never eaten an avocado. Dude, that's like our main source of like healthy fat out here in California. You eat avocado with everything. Yeah, as someone who can't eat avocados anymore. Um, <clears throat> I know. It fucking <laughs> sucks, bro. Those are like one I of my will, favorite foods of all time. You can still have a good Mexican meal without avocado. Yep, and I can still eat avocado if it's got a shit ton of lime. But um, um, I used to be like the, you know, classic, just spread avocado and English muffin for breakfast kind of guy. Yeah. No moss. No moss. Got it. Yeah. That's unfortunate. But, but um, some days, sometime if I'm like drunk, like I'll probably eat it. Just like I had a friend in college that uh, she um, couldn't eat gluten. But sometimes if she got real drunk, she'd just munch that on some pizza. <laughs> <laughs> So I feel like I'm going to be with avocado, like like a good ceviche with some avocado or something, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you, uh, you hear about the Game Changers documentary? Um, I don't think so. So there was a documentary put out on the power of being vegan and basically the overall gist and I haven't seen. Was this the one that they tore apart on Rogan? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Said like animal protein um, can be completely replaced with uh, vegetable protein. 
and it's just not. And they made claims that like my know, incisors are, and canines beg to differ. Yeah, they made yeah <laughs> they made ridiculous claims that you know if you trace back our ancestry with an anthropological viewpoint, like we were, there were many many civilizations that were purely uh, vegetarian. I don't know if anyways they debunked a lot of that, but I. I what I was going to say, man, is I just learned how to make chilequiles, bro. So for all my Mexican brothers and sisters out there, chilequiles is basically what you, what you do with the, um, the old stale tortilla chips or like the, the tortilla chips or tortillas that have been open for a while. They don't have to be stale. But <laughs> <laughs> you basically, but I mean, that's the thing is like, I was talking with this girl over the weekend. We, um, I was in Vegas for a work thing and we went to this pretty nice Mexican restaurant and they had chilequiles on there. Now, chilaquiles is like a breakfast nachos in a, in a plate, essentially. Um, and she's like, why would you order that in a restaurant? Because that's like what we would make like with the spoiled tortilla chips. Like that's what you make at home. That's like frittata. You know what I mean? Like you don't order that at a restaurant. But uh, we ordered it and it was bomb. And I've been learning how to make it a little more. But it's basically like you can saute up veggies and meat. Um, if you want to be super traditional, you get that arachera cut from the meat market, from the carniceria, bro. Get that real good. Carne asada. And then uh, saute all that up and essentially throw in some cheese and some uh, chips with some salsa verde so the chips don't stay crunchy. They get a little soggy. And then you melt it down with some some egg and cheese, bro. Sounds so good. It's amazing. Sounds like a hangover here delight. Uh, I'm going to recommend that for everyone this week. Get on no. some chilequiles, bro. Greg's recipe of the week. I'll bring a new one each week. Yeah. Next week will be my uh, coconut oil infused brownies. Yeah. I'm beating the usual staple of frozen pizzas at the Ryder household. <laughs> Isn't that funny, bro? I talk all gourmet and then you come over and I'm like, hey, which frozen pizza you want? <laughs> What's for lunch? I got chicken tenders or chicken tenders. <laughs> Bro, we can't you can't be culinary all the time. Dude, it, cooking like real cooking takes time, man, and planning. Like you really got to plan. That's the biggest part, dude. The t- the planning for the recipe, getting to the. Well, grocery and you're store like always the type stuff. of dude that, like, when I hit you up, you're like, I'm on my way to the grocery store to get shit for dinner. Like, you don't seem like a person that like gets groceries for like like plans out the week. You know, you're like, okay, I get potatoes. It's gonna cover this and this dish. Chicken's gonna be on this and this dish. You're like, uh, what am I going to eat tonight? Or I'm going to the store right now. Yep. Which is dope too, because like that is fun. Like I would rather do that, but it's just not like it's a lot of time. It's inefficient. Yeah. But I do that probably on a one to ten ratio of like eating out or or making something quick at the house. You know. Yeah. So. But yeah, planning and, and buying all the stuff for a good meal, a fresh meal, with good ingredients, there's nothing that really beats that, you know, at least in my mind. It's like you feel good after that. Even just cooking it for other people and watching other people eat it. Like yeah, I'm I, totally down. To do I something. like that. Did well, you, shit, yeah. Uh, I was, did you see Will Smith's kid? You know, like for he, he doesn't really have to make any money. So he started a food truck where he goes around and feeds all the homeless people in LA, nice. which I think is super sick. Yeah. I did not see that. I did not see Jaden Smith's food truck ventures. Yeah. I mean, you can do stuff like that when you don't have to make money. 
you know? Yeah. But a whole different world. <laughs> yeah. And you've, you've been a cook for a long time. So probably given the opportunity to drive around and cook for a bunch of homeless people, you'd be like, nah, I'm good on that. Yeah, I'd be down to, like, we've cooked for, we used to, like, do, like, once a year we'd cook for homeless people, but it was, like, we just dropped the food off at the shelter and giant hotel pants kind of thing. Yeah, see, this oh. is, like, a food truck that drives around L.A., and it's, like, hey. All I imagine is, uh, <laughs> like, uh, Chappelle as Tyrone Biggums. Yeah. Trying to get some, let me tell you something, Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude. Oh, man. Or Pookie. Yeah, you probably haven't seen that movie. New Jack City? No. Yeah. It's old Jack City to you. Yeah. Yeah. Bro. You're old, bro. <laughs> I know. Oh, fuck. Well, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. Nothing. Just be smarter and hungrier. Yeah. Hit that Peloton. Keep flying. <laughs> yeah, dude. Keep banging around the sticks. Trying new gear. Yeah. All right, man. Well, um, I'm going to pack up for this holiday and... I hope you have a good holiday. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, pack. that's what I'm packing. Yeah, pack, pack, pack. pack. Yeah. But um, no, have a nice holiday with your family, man, and uh, get get some of those uh, get some of those drones up in the air when you come out here. I'm looking forward to it, man. We'll do, man. Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is you do over there. Oh yeah, I do it all. Yeah. And uh, yeah, man. I'll see you soon. All right, bro. Take Peace. care.